This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 535, brought to you by the Star Trek Beyond fan event, and iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello 
Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 535. We are two jamokes again. I am Josh <laughs> Flanagan here with Connor Kilpatrick. For a second, I was going to say, no, it's 355. And then I, I don't no. know what's going on. <laughs> what decade do you think it is, dude? I don't know. It's not, it's not that one. <laughs> uh, we are iFanboy. We like comic books. Uh, every week we read a bunch of them or a, or a nominal number of them on certain weeks, and one of us has uh, the the job of picking their favorite book, calling that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about some other books and some other stuff. Uh, maybe read some mail. Uh, it's a, The aim is to learn and to have fun mm. in the world of comic books. So we yes. hope for that. Uh, your spoiler warning is that this is a review show. We're going to be talking about what happened in them. So if you haven't read them, uh, it's on you, bro. <laughs> I don't use that no. often. Um Sometimes the mountain biker people do that, and I have to be I like, "Yes, it. bro." You got to pretend, yeah, gotta, like you're undercover. Yeah, like you know, like I like sports and things. Totally, bro. <laughs> Patriots. Um, Connor, you had the pick this week. Uh, I had the pick, and last week, uh, Josh, when you were not on the show, uh, we were and I were talking about how it was uh, a lighter week in terms of quality. I thought there was only a, couple, a handful of books that I, I really enjoyed for the most part. I Everything have not. Was... I have not read a single comic book from last week. I understand. This week, though, I probably had six or seven books I could have made the pick of the week. Yeah. I really, I really, this is a really, really great week of comics. Uh, but the one that ended up being rising to the top like a robotic piece of cream was Division Number no. 7, written by Tom King, art by Michael Walsh, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Clayton Callis. And, and much like our gushing about Spider-Man last week, I realized partially this is fueled by my love of the vision in Captain America Civil War. However, it, but however, we've been talking about how great this book has been. And and I'm going to get to the slight trepidation in a minute, but we've been we've been discussing this and we had Jeff Kanata on the show a couple a couple shows back and talking about this is one of the best books being done right now and it's such a wonderfully creepy tone to it. Uh beginning with the very first page of this issue which is a flashback to I'm guessing the first time that the Vision and Scarlet Witch had sex, and the awkward faces on, on, on both of them afterwards. And uh, guest artist Michael Walsh deserves a lot of credit for this pick because uh, this issue was all about awkward facial expressions, and he really nails each and every one of them. I've been I've been a big booster of him for for a long time, and I mean he's been around. He's been sort of a working pro for for a bit. I was on um, what's the other Avengers title that that Remender did for a bit. Like Secret the, Avengers. Secret Avengers. Yeah, he was yeah. on that one for for quite a that's bit. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. But he kicks around. He's he's definitely he's in like sort of the the Somni camp, um, sort of in his style, but but a little more ragged, I think. Um, not in a bad way. Anyway, I I, I just I, I was very excited when I saw him on the. Not that like Walda, who's the the normal artist, is also fantastic. But if you're gonna have a fill-in artist, I was like, oh, yes. top quality. So this this is this is an issue that's it's. I hesitate hesitate to say it's a one shot because it's not because this is one story being told, but it's a self-contained flashback story where we see the vision and the scarlet witch's relationship from the very beginning through the end and then how it relates to what's happening in his life now mm-hmm. and uh that for me this is both both a plus and a minus and i'll explain the minus in a minute because i don't want to harp on the minus because it's really this is a fantastic i don't know what that's going to be but um well it's funny because you had said you know the 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 vision from from captain america civil war you know we're in a, we're in a mood for that right now but i think which is true um, yeah. And he's very much in line, I think, with the vision that I think of from the 80s, or in the 70s, actually. In the movie or this one? 
well, I'm saying it's all pulling it together. So to I me, see. this I was like, oh, this is this is West Coast Avengers vision in Wanda. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of this is a retelling of stuff that that's already happened. Yes, like um, like you you show it and then push in a little more to sort of what was happening. Um, and I didn't mind any of that at all. Uh, and and so. You know, like and it also just showed me that like the vision that's in that movie, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, when you compare it to that, it doesn't seem all that different from the one, um, from the sort of the John Byrne run of of West Coast Avengers, where they had these two kids that were born out of Wanda's willpower, basically. Right. Um, which was, I mean, it. I don't remember the details of it, other than I, I, I know it was one of the most messed up comic book stories I well, ever read. It's funny because if you think back, when we were younger, we didn't really question really weird things like that sure and that's a really weird thing it was really weird and if i you was... imagine that story now in the age of think pieces and and tweets and mm-hmm. people would be losing their shit but back then it was just like oh that's okay and i was also 10 11 12 right well it helps to be a kid and you just go all right whatever i don't know how kids, kids are made anyway yeah but um but like just to sort of take a modern look at that um through the through the eyes of a guy who's <laughs> i mean tom king is really he's really becoming something yes very um, quickly and i don't i every time i say that like that I, it sounds sort of um patronizing and i don't mean it to be but no, like, it's not. He's, he's a guy he's who growing, he's growing fast yeah totally uh but it's like oh look at you you're doing great now but it, like literally i i remember meeting him when he had so he just put out a novel, and he was, you know, maybe going to start writing some comics, and it hadn't happened. And then over what feels like a very short amount of time, although I'm sure it's longer than that, like he's he's doing he's doing great work. He's Not really years long overnight success. Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. And you know, he was an intern at Vertigo decades ago. Not decades, but at least over a decade ago. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I think what Tom, what you have in Tom King is a, is the test case for the writer, you know, and the right. Um, subject matter because yeah. Grayson was a solid book. We 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 enjoyed it, but it didn't really move the needle or blow my socks off. It was a good book though. Yeah. But this year or so with the Vision and with the Sheriff of Baghdad, you have a writer who's found his subject matter and is given and, the 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 space to 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 and is able to really town. sing with it, which yeah. is why I think it's so exciting. He's doing Batman, um, yeah, because because he seems to. This is this is kind of what happened with Scott Snyder. He yep. he appeared out of nowhere all of a sudden, even though he'd been a writer before, but he had had just you know the right book with American Vampire and, so, and then Detective Comics, and all of a sudden it was the right and, guy and, with the right subject matter. And for did for American Vampire to happen, don't forget Stephen King was the co-writer on the first arc, right? Mm-hmm. So that you know, just like uh, Tom King's co-writer on. Um, Grayson was was Tim Seeley. Right. Like at that point, the guy that they were like anchoring him to was Tim Seeley. So that's that's really interesting to me. Um, but anyway, let's get back to this yeah. particular book. Um, so I'll, so the only weird thing for me, and we discussed this way back when the first issue was the pick of the week, and we had a very controversial discussion about of that issue. Um, I really enjoy this vision book as this weird sort of bubble that feels very out of continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very it's a much sadder and stranger I, I version I of the vision yep. uh, than I'm used to, and that was what the, that was the struggle I had with the first issue, if you recall. And but then, as I sort of allowed myself to live in this world, I saw how brilliant the book was. But he, and it was fine because it really has been in its own bubble, suburban bubble. Um, here, though, we jump. You know, we're f- feet first into the history of the Avengers, and as 
happy as I was to see that shot of the classic Avengers team while the Vision and Scarlet Witch are making out while they're fighting in the background, the classic Thor and the classic Iron Man. And is that Cap as Gladiator or I forget what that identity, that Captain America identity was, the no shirt guy. To it. Um... The old beast. Um, and then even later when we see the all white version of the Vision, which I'd forgotten about. I love uh, you know, that. I love, I love that seeing it, but at the same time, I don't know if I like this weird veneer being in the background of those stories. But anyway, that's just a minor, a minor thing. Yeah, I mean, okay. Tell you what, like this is a like, I think the last last week, last time that we talked about the issue, he said it's fucked up. Yeah, and this I is don't. Still fun. Yeah, no, I, and I don't want all vision stories that come after this to be fucked up. Right. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yes. Or even to look at sort of the earlier ones and go, oh, this was all fucked up. Right, it is. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, and I, I think I don't know. I feel like I'm like I can keep this separate. I totally I, I, I can remember keep it that. Cap I'm just all. hoping it doesn't it doesn't permeate oh. everything. So you're saying uh, you hope everybody doesn't grab this afterwards? It's kind of like Hawkeye. I don't want yeah, it to be like yeah. Hawkeye, where all of a sudden everyone is trying to do uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and they can. I don't want everyone trying to do Tom King's Vision, and they won't be able to. Hundred percent. So this story, uh, as I said, opens at the night after the Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh, have fun in bed, and uh, it's all very awkward. He tells a very fun, it, it, a bizarre <laughs> joke, which, a joke which I have heard before, um, which relates to him being a robot. And Wanda finds the whole thing endearing. So then we we sort of fast forward through their relationship as they, you know, are in the Avengers and having romance, and then the awkward family dinner with the with Wonder Man and Quicksilver and Agatha Harkness and the Wizard. Um, to their dates, to their uh, family life and their kids and arguing until the point where they break up. And uh, then we learn the big secret here, which is how it relates to the current story, is that um, Wanda gave the Vision a, um, what is it exactly? It's that plant. It's the Wondagorian, or wait, no, that's a different thing. No, no, no she gives him a replica of the, the uh, gem in his forehead. Right, right, right. Which uh, the Beast helped her make. And she hopes he can use it to find happiness, and that is the gem in his wife's head currently. So Wanda gave the Vision the means to have a wife. And then we end on on a page of the Vision and his current wife in the same position as Wanda and the Vision in the first page, and he's telling the same joke, but there's no laughter. Uh, I mean, one of the things that that King excels at is structure. Yep. And and timing. And not everybody can get away with this kind of comic book. And you don't want every comic book to be like this at all. Uh, but Walsh and, and also Waldo before him and, you know, and also Jordy Belair with the sort of tonality of the colors, like the whole thing yep. just works. It's <laughs> really, look at the, the, the window behind him on that last page. It's canted for Good some man. reason. Well, oh, oh, it's, it's the light from the window. It's the shadow. But even so, like it would Yeah, no, the light, the light is totally canted outside, which is weird, but it know, absolutely... But like, there's, that's the discomfort, yeah. discomfort of this. There's thing. no way that that would be twisted like that. Like it, it, it's just like a little bit of stomach twisting. Yeah. Kind of. He's really, Walsh is really raw here. Like I like yep. it. It's super scratchy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and I, and like, I, I don't, I try never to do this, but I texted you after I read it and I was like, this is the pick of the week. <laughs> like, no, for, for like 10 reasons. That's, that's why. Cause it was like, oh, it tickles the nostalgia. It's something new. It's really well done. And it's just, it is one, it's, and it's one perfect issue. Yeah. And it's, it's, 
emotionally raw as well yes. to watch the arc of the vision of the Scarlet Witch's relationship, which is when you know growing up was one of the iconic superhero relationships. But also, it's funny because that is patently bizarre. It's totally, and that's what I mean. What I said before is, as a kid, we never really thought about how weird it was that an android, yeah, and and it was when we were married, had kids, and I remember thinking it was a little weird. <laughs> I don't, I do because I feel like they brought it up in the book a lot. Yeah, I guess. But I like I think that you can. There is a part of you that can go, wow, this is really dark. And there's a part of me going, no, I think this is really like dark humor. This book? Yeah. Yes, I think it is dark like, humor. Like big time. Like 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 the Sopranos kind of, you know, it's like, this is all horrible. Like it's all a big joke, you know. These are, it's because these are weirdos. And I, I, I like the fact that like the vision is kind of broken. And he's got yeah. all this power. And uh, it's weird because if you think that with the movie out, which is, I haven't looked at, you know, I assume. Is it a big, big success? Yes, huge. Civil War. Okay, right. So with the movie out, the two sort of newish characters that we're spending time with now are the Vision and 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 Black Panther. And in both of those books, Marvel has done the, they've made some interesting choices. Yeah, well, we'll get to Black Panther. Yeah, in a minute. I totally, totally. But it's, uh, but just to end this discussion, you got to love Vision and just casual wear. Every time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a revelation. We've, we've seen him in casual wear before, but seeing it in real "Quote unquote real life" in the movies, and then seeing it again here, it's it's. Uh, he's got a t-shirt in the one scene. He's got a polo shirt in the other scene. <laughs> it's suburban casual vision. Oh. oh, the polo shirt with like the knit sleeves. It's almost like one of those short sleeve sweaters like Brian Wilson wore in the sixties. <laughs> oh, it's just wonderful. They can't not make out behind a tree during a huge battle. It's awesome. It was, <laughs> this is this is. Uh, one of those really great single issues that we've read this year so far. This is one that people should keep an eye on uh, for later. Yeah. We always say come award season, and then they never nominate anything we say, so whatever. <laughs> They're not for us. So uh, Batman 52, this was the final issue of the this current run, written by James Tenney in the fourth art by Riley Rosmo. And uh, I, I would be fine with Riley Rosmo drawing more Batman. No kidding, right? There's another guy that we've been watching for years, and then like I think like the industry's finally come around to him. He he just his, I mean look his art is is not for everyone and it's weird, but that totally works for me in a Batman context. Absolutely. Uh, the weirder the better sometimes, and here, you know it's just it's a simple story. I'm I'm James Tenney the fourth is one of Scott Snyder's proteges. He was a student and uh, Scott's been mentoring his career. He's taking over Detective Comics. He's written a lot of stuff that I've read. Nothing has really blown me away. I think this is probably one of the best things I've read out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see what comes next in Detective. But this gave me a little bit of hope uh, for it. This is a story of to look back at Bruce Wayne's life, basically as a kid. You know, shortly after his parents are murdered, Doctor Tompkins and Alfred give him a journal to write his feelings down and basically to create a list of how to move on with his life and. Uh, and this is a story about him trying to retrieve that book after a thief steals it, thinking he can get some blackmail on Bruce Wayne. And uh, it was just a simple Batman story, but went through his whole history. And the Riley Rossmo art was really atmospheric and uh, strange, like I said. And it is strange. There's a, there's a, this is, uh, this is going to come off like criticism, but the thing is I didn't notice any of it. So whatever those re- there's a scene where he's holding out a sandwich on a tray with his yeah. long spindly arms. And like, yeah. you know how much strength it would take? Right, to hold yeah. that up with your two fingers, and I, I don't, I don't care. I have a, I have an Alfred Hand comment to make at the end of this discussion. Okay, you yeah, know, it's, it's totally 
you know, it's not realism that no. Starbucks Asimov is doing. It's very stylized. Um, everyone is very long and thin, mm-hmm. and a little and a little awkward, which I think is works for the story. But this was a sweet little, you know, one shot tale of of Batman trying to get back his childhood journal and uh, flashbacks of him as a kid. And it, it was just, it was nice and sweet, and the art was wonderful. And I thought this was a really yeah. solid, solid issue. It's a good way to wrap it up the arc. I, I, uh, I gotta say that I love the fact that that Snyder was the one to fix the hand <laughs> as a throwaway. Yeah, 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 I did this, but before I go, I'm not even letting anybody rewrite me. I'm gonna just do this on my own, which is such a putting everything back, which is such a ballsy move. <laughs> just be like, yeah. So anyway, I fixed his hand. I feel like he did it for you. <laughs> it's been it's been hard. <laughs> and you still oh, there, there's two a, hands. There's a great sequence in the middle where Batman's standing on a rooftop and there's a lightning flash and then he disappears and it's the same repeated shot but colored differently. Yeah. Um, and it's just that's a great sequence. This, this like, is a really good looking book. I liked him just running around with an inept supervillain. I was like, oh, I haven't had this for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since there hasn't been some major, you know, dramatic arc. It's just a one shot of this sort of. D-list thief who breaks into a bank and breaks into Bruce Wayne's safety deposit box, steals what he hopes is a is a great blackmail treasure, and it's just his childhood journal. He's it's just way out of his depth. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so this, this is there's another great comic this week. Another one was the Fix number two from Image yes. Comics. So, Nick, Nick Spencer, Steve Lieber. This was the pick of the week last month when it came and out. And we had we had uh, expressed our. Uh, reverence for the issue, think it was very, very mm-hmm. good, but also our concern that maybe you can't keep doing this for a really long time, and and, and so far, so good. Yeah, so far, so good. This was um, this continues the story of the two corrupt cops in Los Angeles who are just as much criminal as cops, and they are owing money to a really scary drug uh, lord, and uh, they've got to figure out how to get some money, and this is their, their idea is to... Well, I'm not sure, quite sure what their idea I'm is. I'm not either. Yet. But it involves shooting one of them in the hand to get, so he can go transfer to canine duty. For some reason, they need the dog. Um, and most of this issue is about setting up a super nice guy for murder. And then justifying it. Yeah. <laughs> in a way that made me go, wait a minute, what was that guy up to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty good. It's, this is really good. Um, we talked about it last time, and we just talked about it with Tom King. When you find your when you find your lane, mm-hmm. as Nick Spencer has here, uh, and Steve Lieber is perfect for this book. Steve uh, Lieber is perfect. Period. This this is a really really great book. Yeah, yeah. I I I I don't know that I like the message of when you find your lane, but for some people, like it's more like if you find the thing that's really working for you, then you have a chance to let it fly. Right. And the that thing that you really satisfying. connect with. What yeah. I mean. What I mean by lane is the. Th- the the subject matter or the tone that when you find that w- what works for you like like yeah. if you're Howard Chaykin, you should probably draw butts right and I think you know Nick Spencer when he came on the scene he did a lot of different writing and and I think when he tried to write more traditional superhero stuff it it was less successful for me than when he did more offbeat stuff mm-hmm. like when he did that Jimmy Olsen backup story which was really good because it was more strange and uh, you know Superior Foes of Spider Man which you loved. Yeah. And this, the fix in the similar tone seems to be his milieu. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And also, uh, I think that I think that they avoided the neganification of their villain character. 
we spent a lot of time with him last time, and it would mm-hmm. probably be really easy to just spend a lot of time writing scenes with him. Right. Where he just talks and does things, and you, it, you know, but here you get one page of going, all right, this person's really, really messed up. And that was why also would, very, very funny. That why page. would you stay in a band with him if he murdered one of your bandmates because he was in a bad mood and he was singing flat? Well, he was like, he was singing flat. Look at well, that. Look, by the way, look at, look at, what was accomplished in that page? It's a lot. Not only that, but the third sort of row of panels slows it right to hell. Like, oh yeah, I am stunned by this page uh, in terms of economy. And you know, also what? if you look pacing. at it, look at it. It's actually a complete short story in one it is. page. It totally this would, is. If you, you if you publish this as a short story in an anthology, it would be completely fine. Mm-hmm. And you and, wouldn't. I mean, like, if they had a single-page Eisner, this is up for it so far in 2016. That's a yeah, I, I, I don't page. think I noticed it from the from the first panel to the to the last with Banjo Player Wanted sign. It, it's a complete story. Yep. Over it's thirty like story. Over thirty bluegrass bluegrass group. That is so funny in so many ways. <laughs> oh, it's... Well, well, Nick lives in L.A. now, and uh, so I imagine there's a lot of there is a lot of L.A. in here, but yes. I imagine that. Partially, this book is going to be a takedown of L.A. as well. Um, Eventually, the, here it will be a takedown of Bernie Sanders, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So um, again, this is uh, every book we talked about so far it was a contender for particularly could have really sure. been Jupiter Circle, Volume Two, Number Six, which is the final issue of this particular story, also could have been the pick of the week. As we wrap up the the flashback story of these heroes in their younger days, and. Uh, this was a this this might have been one of my favorite ones of these. Everyone, this, this is so good. I don't want to say everyone's better than the last, but like everyone, you're like this is this is still very very good. And you <laughs> yes. have a Sinkevich cover for God's sakes again. So it's a beautiful cover. It's like you t- you take the book and it's great, and they're like, what if we also have Sinkevich do covers? Okay. And <laughs> the thing is, so the first the first volume of this was the the present story with the kids of the superheroes. You know, it's your kids, Marty. I pulled that book out, and I'm like, I gotta read this again. Yeah, I've got the collection, and I'm gonna read it before the next volume comes out because I don't. It was a long time ago. Um, and so, what, what I because it has been so long, and because I've been so dialed into this, I guess I forgot a little bit. So, one of the plot points in this volume has been that the I, I wanted to say the Samaritan, but that's not it. The Utopian. Was that wrong? Which one is which? It is utopian, but it's, I mean, it's, it really is. Superman. It's, it's Superman, but it's also, it's almost more the Samaritan than it is utopian. Right. So Superman uh, and Lois can't have kids, and but he, but Superman has kids in the present story. So I guess I'd forgotten that. So the, this is solved here in which also one of the plot points has been kind of how banal it is to be married to the most perfect man in the world. That was brilliant. I've never seen that story. Yeah, so it's we've seen it before in this story where he he always has breakfast w- waiting for her. He's always got fresh flowers. You know, he's he's cut from Italy in the morning. You know, there's always it's always he's always there to walk her to work no matter what's going on. He's always there being I, the perfect husband, and she is completely and utterly bored by that. I particularly like the one perfect orgasm before going to bed every night. Right, like he took it that extra mile, <laughs> and uh, so she leaves him because she can't handle. Being married to someone so perfect because, and it makes perfect sense, she can never do anything wrong. She can't, she, imagine being married to that person who does literally everything correctly. You can't, 
you will start you'll start to resent resent them which is what she did i i mean i can tell you that it's really difficult for my wife um <laughs> to deal with it um no i mean you're right like i just i just i just want to be human i can totally understand that i think that's uh, it's really good and so she leaves him, and then he ends up. Uh, we, you know, as we flash forward a few years a little bit with the, with the Wonder Woman character, and they have get the kids who they have the kids who are now like the, the main characters in the new, in the current book. Mm-hmm. This was just a great. Mark, uh, we say it every time. Mark Miller is doing wonderful work, and this is structurally, as well as storytelling wise, to taking that present story, going backward in time to give quietly time to draw the next volume of it, and, and flushing this out so that the world is that much more rich. And the character relationships are that much more interesting. And having it end the way he did um, and then going back to the present is really sort of brilliant the way he's been doing this. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it's sort of like I feel like we get to do this for a while. I feel like yeah. there's going to be a lot of – because everything Miller is doing is all these you know, five, six issues and he's out, um, which is good and satisfying. But at least this, we, we get to keep going. It's almost like the – This is his one sort of epic. Yeah, everything else is being just a trade. This is this is going to be at least three three volumes of, of story worth. And I, it was it's really when I thought, okay, that's uh, there's not going to be another superhero story that's going to that's going to really grab me the way that they have in the past. And I'm like, oh, wrong again. <laughs> so, oh, what happened this week as I was reading comics was almost every comic I read, I was like, well, maybe that's the pick of the week because Southern Bastards number fourteen finally paid off the promise of that first arc in which uh, Earl Tubbs' daughter shows up in town. We have been waiting for that since the very beginning, and we've been taking all these digressions into the other characters and their lives and their pasts, and so now we're finally living in the present, and Earl Tubbs' daughter showed up, and shit's going to get real. It's already gotten real in this issue. Yeah, and it, it, and it definitely is the, like, we then get to meet this character and figure out everything that's going on, and it's every bit as compelling. I mean, like, when I got to the last page, I was like, Damn it! <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was it was like reading the first issue again. Yeah, is what it was like. Um, and and there's just with all these other extra elements. Like so, at first it was Earl Tubb in this you know this world, and it was like he's a man against this town, but at least he was sort of part of it. And they've gone and taken this character, and she's female, and she's mixed race, and and but she was in the army, and and now she's got to cope with this world that was sort of left behind for her. Um, and it's a world that is not ready for her Ooh. at all. But I like uh, that. Yeah. I mean, it's, she's, it's, sort of, it's the mundane problems of homeownership, Josh, as I'm sure you were. Cutting, the, is... cutting the grass, cleaning, cleaning the porch, but through the lens of what's going on around her, everything is much worse. This is not far off from what it's like in my neighborhood on a typical May Saturday. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's not true. My neighbors are quite lovely. Um. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it, this... This is a very hard book in the best possible way. Yeah. It doesn't make you feel good. That's for sure. If they kill her, then I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> but and and like the I know we know we know Jason Aaron and we well we know Jason Aaron's creator owned work. Right. And I have no I have no confidence that she's also not going to be destroyed by this world. And that's, right. That's, so I mean it's yeah. like having read Scalped, having under all 60 issues and loving it. There's no guarantee it, anyone ends up happy at the end of this. No, you're right. Oh, that's um, a bummer. I don't think I thought of it that way, but that's absolutely <laughs> the case. <laughs> but and even even here, you know, she's got these racist neighbors who are giving her shit and have stolen 
the, her father's possessions while he's been gone. And we got a little kid. You think who's looking at her? Maybe he's she can connect with him. No, nope, he's wearing a fuck Obama shirt and tells her he doesn't take orders from black Kind. People. Says it differently. And uh, yeah, so it's just, all, you know, th- when I say it doesn't feel good, it, I mean it in the best possible way, in the same yeah. way when I read Scalp. This is, you know, th- th- the only downside of this book is it took four months for this issue to come out. I'm cool with that. It's just tough. That's all. Yeah. I want it, I want it all the time. Yeah, but it was it was also on that break, so that it, this wasn't one of those issues when they came back. I was like, "What the hell was going on here?" Like it was, I was with it. It was, it's not terribly complicated, right? Um, that's really good. That's the you're you're absolutely right. Every one of those books, every book we've talked about, could have been a pick of the week on a, yep. on a given week. So, yep, that's how good the vision was. Good week. If you're a forty-ish year old Marvel fan, <laughs> I don't think there are any of those. <laughs> Hello, everyone listening. <laughs> I'm sorry, 28-year-old women who are listening. Yeah. Continue. They're as mature as 40-year-old Marvel guys, though, so it's even. Yeah. That's how that works. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com slash support, and there you'll find a link uh, to Amazon where you can go and buy things on Amazon for the same price that you would had you not followed that link, but we, it's, it's an affiliate program is what it is. So we get a little portion of your purchase, and that is uh, one of the ways that supports iFanboy and this thing in your, happening in your ears right now. Um, you can also contribute directly uh, through memberships at $3 a month or $30 a year or, or any number of your choice. Um, we like large monetary donations just in case you were on the fence like will they like this you don't know is it a good gift we do we enjoy that quite a bit um but every time you do that what you're doing is telling us that you value uh the work that we're doing with this um that it's important to you and and that's kind of how the entertainment economy works now and we appreciate everybody who does that so again go over to ifanboy.com slash support um what's happening in archie world this was the best issue of Archie, Archie number eight, Mark Wade and uh, Veronica Fish. This was this was in discussion. This would have been uh, at the bottom of the books up for pick, but it would have been up up there. Uh, so, as you as you probably know, Archie has been dating Veronica, and her dad is not happy about it because he's a screw up and he keeps messing up their lives. Not good enough for his daughter overall. Um, so his the. What was great about this issue is it sneaks up on you. So as we see the hijinks that are happening between Archie and his friends, there's a throwaway scene in which uh, Archie's mom are having dinner alone because the dad's working overtime and Archie spies some overdue, overdue bills. And so you get the sense that the Archies are struggling, as most middle-class families are, to get by. And uh, so Veronica's dad comes up with the ingenious scheme to get rid of Archie by giving hiring Archie's dad and giving him this giant triple his current salary job in the Philippines, I think. I think that's where it is. So Archie's got to leave. That's his whole, his whole plan to get, to get rid of Archie is to, is to basically move him to cross the, across the world. So his dad's all excited because he can finally take care of his family. Archie's devastated. Um, he wants to say something because he knows the truth. He knows why his dad got off for the job, but he overhears his dad, you know, finally being proud he can take care of his family he can take his and his kid to college you know their life has their life has been completely changed and uh so now archie says okay i'm gonna have to sacrifice my happiness and 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 go to the philippines and there's no way around it and then but he's not gonna do that without confronting uh veronica's dad one more time to say i know what you're doing and i'm and because my dad is, is the best dad in the world and 
what, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go along with it. And, and the only reason I'm here is because he, t- he taught me never to, you know, be bullied and always stand up to a bully. And, uh, unfortunately his dad was in the next room, heard it all. And he too steps up to the bully and says, uh, I appreciate the offer, but no, thank you. So it kind of in- ended on a gut punch, but it, it was an emotional, it was a really well done emotional ringer that what Mark Wade took us through in this issue. Uh, not the kind of thing you really expect from an Archie book. Yeah, but. I have no idea what to expect from an Archie book at this point. Right. I don't think that's I think that's sort of the value of it. So good stuff. This is I mean, I've been enjoying this this series, um, but this issue in particular was probably was was usually the best one so far. It's almost like they've turned Archie into like Batman, where they were like in the sense that, wait a minute, this these characters are way more malleable than we thought and they can exist in many different forms. Yes. Uh, which is neat. Including on CW this this coming this fall. I wonder what version that will be. Closer to this one. I have the script, but I haven't read it yet. It's on my computer. I wonder if that will lose its uh, originality, I guess, because then it will just be like any regular sort of drama, but with these Archie characters. Like in we'll the comics, out. in the comics, yeah. it's sort of, it's it's a, you know. It's kind of like twist. that now in this book. I mean, it's a little bit more heightened reality, but that's kind of like what it is. Yeah, sure. All right. I wanted to mention Action Comics 52 briefly. This is also the... I, you know what? I don't think it occurred to me that DC Rebirth is happening in two weeks. It definitely didn't occur to me. In my head, it's sort of this far-off thing, but no, it's... it's, it's when, does, when does fear itself start? <laughs> <laughs> God, I remember that press conference. Um, so uh, Yeah, and that's all I remember about it. Yep. So the Wait, only, wait I, no, I'm sorry. What was the plot of fear itself? I don't remember. I remember stopped reading after three issues. I didn't. Something with Odin? Something scary was happening. Everybody was afraid. So this issue was worth mentioning for two reasons. One, uh, Dale Eaglesham on art. She, uh, Scott Eaton drew some of it, but Dale Eaglesham drew the most of it. JSA and star. Haven't seen him in forever. He yeah. is wonderful. Yeah, he is. Uh, we used to love his stuff on, on Justice Society. Yep. He is that great classic quality to his work. Everyone has these big... He does Superman just this giant body, like Tim Sale almost, and uh, he should be. Just great stuff. But in this this issue, uh, Supermans of two Earths finally meet. So New Fifty Two Superman meets the pre Fifty Two Superman from the Lois and Clark book, as well as the weird glowy Superman. So there's three Supermans in this book, and it just kind of encapsulates how screwed up Superman is in DC right now. When you say glowy Superman, do you mean red blue Superman? No, there's this weird golden glow Superman who's been flying around claiming to be the real Superman and, and messing up everyone's lives. And so all three collide here in this issue. And uh, that's really all but that's really all that's worth mentioning other than, other than it looked really great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, the Uncanny Inhumans number eight uh, came out, and, and this was drawn by Kev Walker, another one of those names that I was like, oh, Hey, yeah, that was great to see. Yeah, he used to do um, Thunderbolts. He would alternate with Declan Shalvey before Declan was uh, a household name. And this is basically the story of uh, how Johnny Storm and Medusa came together. And it was a nice uh, sort of one shot, um, drawn really well. Um, I thought I thought really nice characterization between these these characters. And there was a little bit in here where we were like, oh, Medusa's being way less sort of frosty than we've seen her. Mm-hmm. at all for the past couple of years and and you sort of realize that she's doing her um she's doing her queen bit and here's like this is the one person that she can sort of let that down with yep. and then you've also got the sort of drama of uh, Johnny's ex-girlfriend is her sister which is 
totally awesome, great classic superhero soap opera stuff. Um, <laughs> so I like this. It was good. This is this was a good week for like sort of one one shot. Yeah, it was. Storage. It's not even a fifth week. No, but it was nice. I enjoyed that issue as well. Um, Starfire Twelve ended that. But yeah, story. also I just I sorry. Yep. Uh, no, drunk yeah. Johnny Storm in a restaurant. It's <laughs> pretty great. It's pretty dangerous. Absolutely, but that's that's where the drama comes from. <laughs> Starfire number twelve and it's ends the run of this book. Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti writing. And I wanted to mention it because you know, not not a lot of people talked about this book. It, it was a solid book, but I think if Elsa Chartier had been drawing it all the way through rather than just the last handful of issues. This would have been uh, one of those hidden gems people would be mentioning years later. Mm-hmm. She, we, I, I talked about it last time. She's got that wonderful um, Darwin Cook-esque style to her, and it really fits the tone, the, the, the partly whimsical tone of this book. And uh, this was a nice wrap-up issue that went, you know, everybody got put back on the shelf, and she goes off to her next adventure. And they did the cover in the same style of the last cover for Power Girl. And I think this is the kind of book that... Um, Jimmy Jimmy looks back on in the same way he does with Power Girl. So uh, this is fun. If you like if you like that kind of cartoony style of art, I would you know leaf through this one if you see it. It was a this was a nice little television series, even if it didn't always uh, make sense. But that's DC, that's that's really DC's fault more than uh, yeah more than the writers' and fault. Absolutely. Uh, Black Panther number two. We're back here with the second issue from uh, Super Writer Tanahisi Coates. Is that a good? That's not a good. But I said it, so there it is. You, I thought close, yeah. this was better. This was, but I was really interested just to hear your opinions on this because the, the first issue uh, it was really impenetrable. Yeah, and this was a little was. better, but um, I mean, I'm gonna call it like I, I want to check. I want this to be great. And yeah. again, we talked about this with a vision, like the like the spotlight is on the Black Panther right now. But I I think I, it, it's the audience. For who is going to notice the Black Panther in the movie versus the audience who are coming around for a, a Marvel comic written by Ta-Nehisi Coates? And, and I don't mean that in any bad way at all. They're different, I think. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm struggling. It, it, it's a beautiful book. Brian Stelfreeze is, is great. I know, the, I know we don't love the coloring, but the art itself is really great. The, 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 I love his, his use of heavy blacks has always been a favorite thing of mine. Yeah. Um, I, I liked I liked it better than the last one. It's going in the right direction. I'm going to keep reading it. Um, I think I think if if anything, right now my my main issue, I guess, would be that I don't know any of the characters in a way well, enough to care about them. It's it's being written by a Black Panther super fan, mm-hmm. as if we're all Black Panther super fans. There you go. And I don't I don't think it's introductory enough. You're, you're talking about as you just said a a superstar writer who's going to bring his own non-comic reading fans to the table. You're probably going to have a handful of people checking it out from seeing Black Panther in the movie. Who've never, and I'm, I'm not, my, my exposure to Black Panther has always been through the Avengers. I don't think I've ever read a Black Panther book other than the Civil War tie-in that Jason Aaron wrote a while, you know, 10 years ago. So I don't know enough about Wakanda. It was Wakanda a really good and, run by Christopher Priest uh, from yeah, Marvel Knights that, that I, I didn't really read. Um, because I'm an asshole. Uh, <laughs> so, but the point is, like, so I don't, I don't know what's going on, or I can, I'm piecing it together. But I'm, I'm not your typical reader. I'm gonna I, keep piecing it together because I'm doing the show. But 
uh, if it was just me, a, a guy reading a book, I might not continue on. If, I just, it's not introductory enough. They're not laying enough. They're not laying enough foundation to, to tell the story. Yeah, they're just telling. I, I want. Is, I don't know. I don't tough, know emotionally tough. who who to. I don't know. I don't understand the relationships well enough. Right. Or or who who to care for yet. Um, I think it's interesting what's happening. I think the look at the society, you know, as a comic fan, you always think of Wakanda as a sort of idyllic country, but clearly it's not. You I'm, know, as you th- it seems like the further away you get from the capital, the worse it gets, and that's an interesting look at. And the cover itself is people tearing down the Black Panther statue. So clearly, that's the the story here is is the instability at, underneath it all, which is interesting to tell. I just don't have a I don't have a hook yet. I'm just I'm just hanging out to see what the great mind behind this has got planned. That's what right. that's literally what I'm here for. Like, right. there's a great mind writing this, and there's probably going to be something here, and I don't want to miss that. That's what's happening. But right now, I don't know what it is. Correct. That's I agree with that. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Go to fanboy.com. You can find the post for this show, and you can talk about these books or other books you read this week. Uh, a lot of great comics this week to talk about. We are you know, pretty good at this, Connor. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and pat us on the back in that last section. Yeah. So uh, let's do some listener questions. We've got a couple of long ones, but they are related. So let's jump right in. Uh, Mike D. from Victorville, California. And the Beastie But Boys. born and bred in Queens. That's the same one, right? Well, Mike D. After the, after the Beastie Boys uh, disbanded, yes, he moved yes. to Victorville, California. This is Mike D. Yeah. Mike D. says, "Ron, and I realize Ron's not on the show, but Ron, Batman v Superman, you are wrong, just plain wrong. Steaming pile of garbage, really? That's not a review. I can't remember a single valid point you made regarding the movie. Maybe just because of your misplaced vitriol for it. Again, steaming pile of garbage, huh? I listen to two main podcasts when it comes to comics: you guys and Pop Tarts." When I started listening, you guys were the ones that love everything, and they were the ones that seemed to hate everything. Then something's changed. Possibly it was your return, but it didn't hit me until this review. Now I'm not going to say BVS was the great piece of cinema, any greatest piece of cinema anywhere, but it was a good superhero movie. It certainly holds its own to Marvel. Marvel's done an infinitely better job regarding setting up the universe and being run by a person who loves comics rather than WB marketing machine. But this is one movie alone it was far from the misstep you state. I suggest you listen to JD's review on Pop Tarts for a much more insightful review because I'm an engineer. I can't use words good. I can understand liking one way of doing things over another and preferring Marvel style, but geez, what misplaced hatred. I really, I've really enjoyed most of what Marvel's done, but most of their superior love they get comes purely from the jokes they throw around, which somehow make up for all the flaws in their movies and gives them a pass from everyone. I just don't get it. A bit too long, but just needed to get off my chest. Keep up the good work, guys, and keep the comic suggestions coming. Now I'm going to take Ron's suggestions with a huge grain of salt. He's a bit too critical on nonsense, and we don't always agree on art and stuff. Jay Lee should never be allowed to draw a comic again. Or writing Grant Morrison is extremely overrated, at least since, it's, since the New 52 started. I'm not biased by his classic stuff since I just recently got back into comics. But I'll take all the suggestions I can get and look forward to hearing from you guys every week. Oh, There's a lot to... of mixed feelings in there. I was waiting for this. It was like, this is terrible. It's I was really good, though. I, Thank you. I was surprised it took this long to get... Yeah, you're right. Else. I was really waiting... Uh, you were expecting the X3 issue. Yeah, we we gave a really bad review to X3 many, many years ago, and we got a lot of uh, stuff for it. But um, I would say we're running 10 to 1 in favor of our Batman vs. Superman review in terms of the response on social media and the comments on the website and uh, emails. I mean, well, it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie. <laughs> Listen, listen. Ron's it's just not, not a good movie from a movie standpoint. Take Ron's, the take the change the characters' names. It's still not a good movie. Ron's not here. Yeah. And but if he was, I would tell him 
it's possible that maybe his review wasn't as constructive as I would probably put forth. However, I don't think he's wrong. Right. I, and, I, and I can see if you're listening to that, uh, you think, oh, this guy, it's not a good movie. Like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I, at a certain point, like, it was so bad to me, and I, I guess this is subjective, although to me, some of it seems objective. I, to me, like, at a certain point, I had to, I, I don't even have to think about or quantify why it's bad because it made me so unhappy. It made me very unhappy. Yeah, and if I wasn't watching the movie for this show that we had to do, I I would have left. I honestly would have left. See, now I liked it more than you guys, but I still think it was a good movie. And I it thought wasn't a good movie. Wasn't a good movie. Right. It wasn't a good movie. I liked parts of it way more than you guys, but I also really disliked a lot of it. And said, you know, even though Ron was on the show, there were three other people on the show, and I thought giving very. Constructive reasons why it wasn't a good movie. Yeah, you know? and and I will admit, and that Ron doesn't actually suffer from this in any way. I have a pretty strong bias at this point to what I think Superman should be, mm-hmm. and what a Superman movie should be. And I recognize that that is subjective, and I don't think most people have that. One of the way, reasons, like one of the ways I talk about that movie is that, like, I think about if twelve year old me saw it, mm-hmm. I probably would have liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, uh, that sounds super, uh, snobby. Um, but I just, I've, we've been thinking about these characters and talking about how to tell stories with them for so long that we do have tastes about it. Like have, we have opinions on how we, you know, it should be and what you want to see. And I mean, to me, like there was, there was just, there was nothing fun about that movie. It, it made me, made me feel bad. Yeah. And I, it gets so reductive to make a DC versus Marvel thing. It's, it's Absolutely. Nothing, it's nothing to do with that. No. I'm I'm the DC, quote DC guy. The, I, I mean, I, I think if there's anything, if you were going to put it to anything, it, it does. There's a tone that the Warner Brothers side seems to be going for, and a method that doesn't seem to be working for them as far as it goes with like the kind of movies I want to see. Right. But they're 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 selling tickets. I mean, so if that's your goal, which it is, by the way, they're selling tickets, <laughs> but they are not. They're not winning hearts and minds. Well, I mean, it, they're, they're going to they're going to spin it positively. That's their job. But I feel the like fact of the matter is, the first movie to feature Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman made less than a billion dollars, and, and where movies routinely make more than a billion dollars now, uh, and it's crazy that that's the benchmark. But when you're talking about a movie like this, that's the benchmark of success, and they didn't come close to hitting that. Benchmark. It's not. It's not the movie they wanted it to be. In and terms and of the honestly, success. and this is this is totally one of those like. All right, now, now when you ask me what is it that you see, when you ask me, Josh, what do you want to see if you see Superman? And I see, I see Darwin Cook's drawing of Superman, and I see a smile yep. on his face, and I see Christopher Reeve. Yep. And I see other things that are in the middle of that, and I have little boys, and I don't want them to see this movie. Right. Because I don't want that to be Superman's world to them. Right. And, and that's. That's if I had to sort of you know bring it now at the same time, like if I wanted to see a Marvel movie, um, it's a, it's a heck of a lot more like fun and thoughtful actually also. And if, look, uh, we we also said this on the show itself. If you like the movie, that's great. I mean, we're not saying you can't like it. We're saying sure. for us, our, we prefer the other way. I do feel like part. many of the positive reviews in this movie are all, are also are just done in in in, in like in opposition to negative ones. Mm. That might be too generalized, but 
Um, if you liked it, I'm I, I, like I said on that show, I'm jealous of you because you got the movie you wanted. I didn't get the movie I wanted, so that's. Uh, I, I'm getting the tone I want from Marvel at this point, and I wish oh, I said this before. And I said this before, and I said it on many shows, not just last one. I wish that I was getting the tone I wanted from DC, but I'm not. So there, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Now let's talk from Nick V in San Francisco, California. Uh, Nick says, "I've been thinking about this during four, four commutes up and down the 280. Having Pretty seen good. and enjoyed, having seen and enjoyed Civil War twice, I still feel it was significantly below 90 percent of Rotten Tomatoes." Or your AA minus scores. Do you think the fanfare with Civil War is saving us from saving it from some fundamental criticisms? So he has a list of problems. We're going to take them one at a time. So we'll list this problem, then we'll discuss it. Okay. His first problem: Why does Zemo create such a long, dramatic plan involving intimate knowledge of the Avengers team dynamics, knowing precisely when to make a dead body public, and obtaining an electromagnetic pulsing machine, which almost fits in a hotel closet? Uh, couldn't he just send the Winter Soldier tape to the Avengers? Would the result not have been the same? For just the pay, price of postage, actually, it would be free. Just email it. <sighs> that might well, be the weakest part of the movie. The the plot. Yeah, you didn't like the plot. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like that it was Zemo. I like the. I like the. I like the end of it being that the plan didn't work, didn't it? Yeah. But I also don't like where that leaves us. And I know that that let's sound that's like that's very simple. I like, I, I don't like that at the end at the next movie we have to deal with them like making up with each other or always having that suspicion with each other. I don't like that. I like them having fun together, right? Uh, a lot more. Right. I my my I don't have a problem with it. My response would be, uh, then there wouldn't be a movie then if you just emailed it. I mean, it's, it's simplistic, <laughs> but. I mean, they're telling stories here. They got to tell a story. Yeah. And he could he, he could email it, and there just would be no story. Um, you know, like why did the imperial officer not shoot the life pod that came out of the frigate in the beginning of Star Wars? There were no, there were no, sign, no life signs. He should have. He should have. No, there, there was no life signs aboard. Right, but they just Do violently. You know what happens in the imperial? They could have. They, he, who could? Who knows what could have been stowed on that ship? And he could have very easily shot it. If he shoots it, there's no Star Wars movies. So do you know what happens to an Imperial officer if they waste ammunition? And he's gonna have nothing to show for it. He's not gonna know afterwards. Like, why'd you shoot that thing? I don't know. He was damn if you do, damn if you don't. So sometimes they have to tell a convoluted thing to tell a story. Yes. Point number two. The Winter Soldier lets himself be filmed committing double murder, only shooting at the camera after he commits the crime. I didn't even notice that. Maybe he didn't see the camera until after he committed the crime. Mm, well, it wasn't the Winter Soldier. No, it was him. He 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 he, he killed the parents. Oh 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 the the yeah Tony's parents. Yeah yeah that was dumb. So I agree. It's fi- fine. Here's the thing. Here's something I'm learning about myself. Mm-hmm. With these movies, um, you see lists of. Plot holes, problems, things. Also, these aren't these aren't plot holes. These well, are just things. Whatever. He, he's 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 calling them plot holes. I think as a society, we've lost the the notion of what a plot hole is. This is just problems with the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, at, at this point, as people who have semi-professionally reviewed things for a really long time, this is all subjective. Like, if you walk yeah. out of it and you were like, "I had fun watching that," I don't care about those things anymore. It was a time when I did, and I understood it's perfectly you know, valid we, too. We talked about this. 
way back for the Punisher Warzone review because we started picking it apart because we they lost us. So if 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 a movie loses you, then you will suddenly be bothered by these things. If you have bought into the movie and the world and the story, then you accept these things as part of that world and the story. You don't really they don't bother you. A good example, it really depends on what whether or not the movie holds you or not in that yeah. sense. A good example of this is that that last um the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one of the last reboot. Yes. Like I okay. went and saw that sort of by myself one night, and I, I showed up, and a couple of my friends uh, who run the comic short, uh, store happened to be there, and we sort of sat and we watched the movie. And it's not a good movie, Mm-mm. but I had fun. Right. And and it's one of those things, and you know, the thing with me is that people are like, oh, Josh does not have fun or doesn't like things that are fun or whatever. Like, I had fun that night, and there were totally problems with it. I didn't care. I'm not recommending it to anybody. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but like, I, I had fun. When I went to Batman vs. Superman, I didn't have fun. Right. Um, but I don't. I, I don't tend to. I don't judge a movie based on a list of pros or cons at this point so much. Yes, it's a it's a, it's a whole piece. Yeah. Point three: How does Peggy die off screen after all that emotional investment, and how does Cap make out with the niece of the love of his life? That's in the I comics. Will, I will say this: Oh, it's worse in the comics. Yeah. It's way worse in the comics. So in the comics, Cap is thought out in the '60s, about 15 years after. Going in the ice, right? Yeah, sure. So, so Peggy isn't when he comes out of the ice. Peggy isn't ninety; she's maybe in her forties. She's a hot forty-five. He doesn't just make out with Sharon Carter; he makes out with Peggy's younger sister, Sharon Carter. So he doesn't. It's not, it's one thing to have, you know, the the younger age-appropriate niece of your ninety-year-old love of your life. In the comics, it was the younger sister of the love of your life who is only slightly younger than the love of your life. It was way worse in the comics. Okay, these are two things. These questions. Two issues here. Yeah. Why does Peggy die off screen after all? Because it had nothing to do with the movie. And I don't want to watch a 90-year-old with Alzheimer's die in a hospital bed. Good I, don't need to see that. I don't need to see that. It, wasn't, it also kind of wasn't their story to tell. The show hadn't been canceled yet. Yeah, but it's just... it's. They already ha- we already had their great yeah. scene in the last film. We don't need to see she's not her. Cy- she's not Cyclops. It doesn't matter if she dies. Off yeah, she's not. We don't need to see her gasp her last breath on a in a hospice. You know, it's and sometimes people you love die when you're not sitting there. Mostly. And so I thought they handled it really well. He gets a really bad phone call that people get all the time, and he rushes off, and we get to see her as she was young and vibrant in the photograph at the funeral instead of. 90 years old, wasting away in a bed. And I was totally fine with the way they handled it. Other part um, is that why did he, with the the granddaughter or sister or whatever, and this is, <laughs> I truly believe this, we were just talking about this with Vision, because it's a little creepy, and that makes it interesting. <laughs> I'm serious. That is a, that is stock and trade, goes along par for the course with Marvel, and oh, specifically, yeah. and even DC Comics, like, there's always a little bit of creepy sexual shit going on in the background, and I love it. And also, he, he's been back for a while. Yeah. You know, he's he doesn't just thaw out. He's been back for two Avengers movies, three and two of his own movies. He's you know, they were even a plot point of the last film was he needed to ha- he needed to start dating people. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with him. There's a and these things also happen in real life where people end up with sisters or nieces or whoever of someone else they were with. It's, it's as Josh said, it's weird. I'm totally cool with that. I, like, I love that it's weird. 
Point four, did Tony insinuate that he was going along with the Accords mostly to get back with Pepper? Can someone just ask Pepper to talk him down? I didn't get that at all. The Pepper thing I got was... He, no. he, didn't she dump him in, in the end of the third one? I don't remember, but something like that. I think she did. And what I got was, hey, where's your girlfriend that we all love? Oh. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know the girl you're dating we like more than you? Where is she? I haven't seen her in a while. He, he went along he with He clearly it. hasn't told anybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think he went along with it because of Alfred Woodard in the hallway. Yeah, it had nothing to do with Pepper. Yeah. I, I, I literally just thought that he had hidden the breakup and they were all bummed, you know, because they all loved her. Yeah. And, and, and who wouldn't? Apparently, though, she went up and started sort of just a whack job blog about um, <laughs> lifestyle methods. Um, <laughs> Someone should talk her down. Somebody should. I think, I mean, the thing is, you ask her on conscious uncoupling, yeah. um, but he was just, he just feels sad. Who can afford an $800 seaweed wrap on their face every day? $15,000 dildo. That's the last one I heard. <laughs> Finally, this is his final point, point five. Finally, I hate you that I know that, by the way. You praised Fal- I don't know how you know that. I'm it's honestly a little shocked. Trending. Right. Trending. And occasionally finally, you go, what is that? You Finally, you praised Falcon, reminding everyone, quote, this isn't the real fight, when actually this is the real fight because the super soldiers were a red herring. The Avengers on Avenger fight just continues later in a bunker instead of at an airport. And my point would be the final fight was with Zemo. It just didn't, happened through his surrogate of Iron Man. That would yeah. be my, my response. Still that, but yeah. The, the, you know... Super Soldiers being a red herring, that was kind of a bummer. Mm. Because all of it. that built I liked up. I it because it was unexpected. Sure, but it's still like it was a whole thing that, that, that built up to nothing. And you go, and what I was thinking is you're going to have five of these guys who are more powerful than Steve. How are they going to get out of this one? And right. it was completely, I thought at least one of them. Right. Like it was just, they just completely dropped it, which is kind of a, it's a weird storytelling choice. Now I would give him a little bit here because. The fight with Zemo was a surrogate fight with the Avengers against each other. So technically speaking, that was still the fight. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know that was the fight. But what Falcon was saying was, you punching Hawkeye right now isn't the fight. The fight is you go stop Zemo. And the thing was, Zemo was behind a piece of glass, so they had to fight each other again. Agree. It wasn't about Black Widow and Hawkeye fighting. It was about them stopping Zemo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, I, I do. I have uh, I have some praise for Nick. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have told us they made the joke that they've been thinking about something for a long time. Right. But Nick is not bullshitting. Nick has really been putting a lot of thought into this. Yes. For a long time, he made a list. We don't have to agree with everything he says, but I respect your commitment to thinking about something for a really long time. Exactly. These, you know, these are these are solid complaints. Sure. What it, I like about these emails is it shows both sides. Sure. Someone didn't like our Batman vs. Superman review. Someone didn't agree with our Captain America Civil War review. Both for different reasons. Point of matters, everyone's got an opinion. And these are, these are all subjective pieces of art. Sure. So the Punisher was a piece of shit. <laughs> that was, there's no getting around that. <laughs> punched through that guy's face. I, I remember nothing about it other than this. thinking, why is McNulty in this? I will say this. Terrible movie. Really enjoyed the experience of watching it. <laughs> That's true. I have good memories of when the whole audience turned on that movie. <laughs> it is, that is a great experience. When the, when the recall, audience that was a movie. friends and family screening. Yeah. When you lose the friends and family audience, they start laughing openly at the movie. I remember. I remember that happening at uh, AI. 
And it was just and like when the like the last not the last ending happened, and I don't remember if it was me or somebody else was like, "Oh come on!" And the movie <laughs> kept going, and instead of anybody being mad, they were all like, "Yeah, why are we still doing this?" That's a great cathartic group experience. That's what I love about going to the movies. Yeah. If you have any questions or comments, you want to get in a conversation on the show, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Don't forget to tell us who are, who you are and where you're from, and you can also email us a uh, audio clip if you want to have a, your voice in the show. So now we've got another movie coming out soon, Star Trek Beyond, the third film in the newly imagined Star Trek world that J.J. Abrams first brought to us many years ago. And we're doing a giveaway. They were very kindly gave us some tickets. You can win a ticket, a uh, pair of tickets to the Star Trek Beyond fan event happening in Los Angeles, California, on Friday, May 20th, 2016, on the Paramount lot. That is literally all we know. It's a secret fan event. They won't give us any more details. Star Trek Beyond fan event. May 20th LA, in L.A. at the Paramount lot. That's all we know. If you want to go to that event, we have three pairs of tickets to give away. Travel to L.A. is not included, so you have to be in the L.A. area on May 20th. You can have the tickets, but if you're not going to be there, you're wasting them. So don't, don't uh, try to get these in case you're gonna, unless you're going to be in the L.A. area that, on, the, on that day. I will be there. My fanboys Mike Romo will be there as well. But uh, I will not be there. Josh will not be there. So here's how you can get these tickets. You email at contactifanboy.com with the subject line Star Trek Beyond Fan Event, and we're just going to choose three winners at random. We're going to put you all into a spreadsheet and run the random number generator and pick three winners. Your deadline for that entry is Wednesday at noon Pacific time. So Wednesday the 18th at noon Pacific time, email us at contactifanboy.com, and that's where we're gonna, we'll pick the winners for the May 20th Star Trek Beyond Fan Event in L.A. Uh, happening on May, uh, very soon. So... It's actually next week. So if you want to be on, in on this, if you're a big Star Trek fan, uh, send an email in, and uh, hopefully you'll win. Fingers crossed for everybody. All right, cool. Yep. So well, let's talk about more shows. We've got Daredevil Season 2 is still on the feed. If you watched Daredevil, it's uh, uh, 13 hours. It's a long time. It may have taken you a while. You may have just finished. So check out the podcast on that. About halfway through. And if you uh, haven't yet listened to our Captain America Civil War podcast, uh, we just talked about it. It's also on the feed. It's about two shows back. If you want to check that out, you can also. We, we told Ron we wouldn't mention it anymore, but it's, it's contextually appropriate. Batman vs Superman podcast is still out there too. All our podcasts, all the films, you can find them all at fanboy.com or on the, uh, anywhere you listen to these shows. And the next one coming up will be either Preacher or X Men Apocalypse. Oh, that's happening. And uh, X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> I'm hyperventilating. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's yeah. So we'll deal with those when they happen. But those are coming up soon this month. <sighs> uh, there's the Goodfellas minute. Uh, <laughs> we liked that movie a lot. I don't see anybody disagreeing with that. No one has written into Goodfellas minute, goodfellasminute.com by the way, and said that was a bad movie. Why'd you waste all that time? Um, do you want to do a Punisher Warzone minute? You know what? I know that we make a lot of jokes on this show, Connor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a line. I'm sorry. Uh, you can go listen to our 145 episodes of uh, Goodfellas Minute, where we talk about every minute of that movie in excruciating detail. Um, it was a good time. Bye-bye, dickhead. Fucko. <laughs> go to iFanboy.com. Fucko. And you can comment on this show. Uh, you can talk about this week's books. You can talk about what we thought of things. I bet you're going to talk more about Batman versus Superman 
and maybe even a little more about Captain America Winters. People are going to be talking about Batman versus Superman longer than any of these movies, by the way. That's 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 its 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 legacy. Um, you can True. also follow us on Facebook.com slash iFanboy or uh, at iFanboy. People did stop talking about X3 eventually. Like everyone was like, yeah, that wasn't good. That wasn't good, was it? Uh, You can go to at iFanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, at CS Kilpatrick, or at RonXO for other things that we talk about. And I'm guessing you are probably interested in a small percentage of those things outside of the comics. And hey, if you like the show, write us a review on iTunes. That's how people find podcasts. That's a great way to get the word out. Um, We appreciate everyone who does that. And better yet, you can tell your friends. Who read comics or listen to podcasts? And, hey, I enjoy the show. You should check it out. We appreciate everyone who helps uh, spread the iFanboy love uh, all around. And uh, one, uh, Josh and I really have had fun doing this show, I hope. Today, I mean, specifically this episode. Because yeah. it's been a hard weekend for us. Um, our friend Darwin Cook is sick. And uh, we, people of... We're not really ready to talk about it yet. Yeah. Uh, so I know that um, that Darwin would be like, "Shut up and do the work." He's, well, he calls idiots. He would call us idiots. He say, "Shut up and do the work," and that's what I was thinking about when we were doing the show, and, yeah. and and we were having fun with it. And I thought, "Am I supposed to be having fun right now?" And I said, "Shut up and do do your job." And so, okay, so we did it. Idiots. So um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So we love you, Darwin. We love you, Darwin, and we. Um, you know, we are good friends with him and his wife, Marsha, and uh, we. this is a very hard time for everyone, especially them. And so we will, I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do. But yeah. uh, we just wanted to mention it that we, you know, obviously people would have said something we hadn't, but and now, now I'm just rambling. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's in our hearts and on our minds, and it's it's truly fucking awful. Um, and, and we're really, really sad about it. So um, that that's not why we're here usually so um we'll we'll see what happens yeah we'll uh i don't know i don't know i don't know, I don't know. kill it go follow <laughs> that's it for this week's show thanks for listening i'm connor i'm josh ron may or may not come back that's right we laid off ron <laughs> we'll see you next week <laughs> Bye.